0: I'm Paul Goebel. I'm David Bax. And this is our last episode. Yes. So goodbye. So what should people watch for the rest of their lives, David?
1: Uh, They should should go (laughs) fuck themselves, I guess. Um, But since it's our last episode, I thought uh, this might be a little bit appropriate to celebrate the last episode and to commemorate one of the most memorable episodes of all time.
0: Did you bring some champagne? I brought... Uh, some mimosas. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> do I need to get glasses? Uh, I was just going to pour them into the orange juice. Yeah, but yeah, you can get glasses. Flow. you can't do that. Yeah. Hold on, Okay. me some
1: glasses. I'll, I'll vamp. Yeah, uh, I, I have here I, the reason I'm late, uh, not that you know I'm late because you're just listening to this whenever, but we're starting late because I had to go to three different liquor stores to find the little things of champagne. Um, I don't know if you heard that, Paul. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Did you get those on a plane? Uh, no, I, I was just telling the, the listeners that uh, we're starting late because I had to go to three different liquor stores where I could find the little champagnes. Really?
0: Yeah. They don't um, carry the cooks? They don't all carry the cooks? No, nope, They all, all have those little wines. You yeah. Know? But, uh... Tiny yeah, wine, but not tiny champagne. You, yeah. Well, you could have got one big champagne instead of two little ones. That's always... Possible. I don't know. I, I. Yeah, I guess so, but I liked the... I, I felt like this was cute. I just cracked it open. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well,
1: this is a perfect way to start the morning. I just woke up, so... Uh, <laughs> I've been up. I exercised. I walked the dog. This is going to make me super sweaty, but... And I'm getting ready after this to go to the L.A. County Fair, so uh, this is my <laughs> oh, pre game <yeah? laughs>
0: What are you going to do at the L.A. County Fair?
1: Uh, well, you know, walk around, eat some... Fried foods.
0: Have a corn dog and a beaver tail?
1: Yeah, I think last time I was there, I had a corn dog that was over a foot long. It was like, a, it was like an 18-inch long corn dog, and I ate
0: most of it. Now, do you call them beaver tails or funnel cakes?
1: Um, I I guess I would call them funnel cakes, but um, I've actually never had one. What? You've
0: never had a funnel cake? Nope. Well, it's just fr- I used to work at Six Flags, and I still never had a funnel cake. They had the best ones. It's just fried dough with some crap on it, yeah. but... It's like a donut. It's good. So, uh, cheers. Here. Cheers. To, cheers. To <laughs> however many years
1: of... Hey, watch this. How long has it been?
0: Mm. I haven't been keeping track.
1: Yeah, because we do these seasons. I, I, I,
0: yeah, we go by seasons. Well, that's right. good. Well, speaking of plans, we know your plans for the day, but what... We've been off for, what, a couple weeks or a week and a half. What What's new? What's new with you, David? Uh, what is new? What's what have me? you seen and done and... Gone to and heard about.
1: Uh, I've been I've been watching Atlanta like crazy. We already talked about it, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I, I I surprised. I didn't surprise myself that much. But I was. Uh, I'm glad to report that I liked the uh, Magnificent Seven movie. Oh really?
0: Yeah. Oh good. Yeah. Who uh, was your favorite of the seven? Which number?
1: Let's uh, see. I don't know. I like. I, I, I they don't have numbers, but I do have a favorite. The yeah? um, the Korean
0: guy with the knives. Nice. Yeah, he's, so, he's the best. All right, now you've seen Seven Samurai. Uh, I've actually never seen Seven Samurai or The Magnificent Seven. Oh, Jesus, Or the TV show, The Magnificent no, Seven? No, I never saw that either. Yeah, I only saw the TV show, which had uh, a lot of cool people on it. But obviously there was no black guy in the original Magnificent Seven or in Seven Samurai. Right. So, But in this case, the black guy's in charge, right? He's the yeah. head dude. All right.
1: He's the Yul Brenner, from what I understand.
0: So as we've already discussed on previous podcasts... Whenever there's a black man in a uh, set in a story that is right. set anywhere I'd say anywhere from the 1960s and back yeah someone is going to use the n-word
1: uh, there is no n-word in the seven but it's not as, it's not like they ignore the fact that he's black okay uh, it's, so there
0: is extreme racism in the movie
1: uh I feel like it's there in the first scene specifically as I think as a way to the audience to like acknowledge it, Uh and to say, like, okay, we've acknowledged it, but the main thing here is that Denzel Washington is a badass. And (laughs) he's so badass that not
0: that many people are going to challenge him. Okay. So, yeah. So that's, like, because, like, even in Silverado, which is one of my favorite westerns. Uh, I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah. Danny Glover, uh, they don't use the N-word, but they call him a buck, and uh, they make it clear that black people are not welcome in this particular bar. (laughs) Right. Yeah. In that one scene. So that's good. I like that, because that's that's what, I don't know... You'd call it reverse whitewashing to not acknowledge that?
1: <laughs> well, let's, let me point out of this, uh, and I was talking about this with Tyler uh, over on... I forget what my Rigby is for. Uh, <laughs> I talked about this on battleship retention, But um, of the seven, fewer than half of them are white. Because <laughs> you've, you've got a black guy, a Mexican guy, um, the Green Korean guy. guy, and a Native American. And so okay. only... Uh, um, Ethan Hawke, Chris Pratt, and Vincent D'Onofrio.
0: D'Onofrio Those are only the white guys. Okay. Does D'Onofrio use a weird voice? Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: good. All right. Well, that sounds good. I'm glad that good old-fashioned western is too bad. It's uh, a reboot, but uh, a good old-fashioned western yeah. is good. And
1: Peter Sarsgaard is the villain, and he's uh, really hamming it up, but in a good way.
0: We always like Peter Sarsgaard.
1: Um, uh, any, uh, anything else? I want to I wanna tell the listeners about a movie... That I that I saw last week called uh, Miss Stevens. It's a tiny little movie with Lily uh-huh. Ray from American Horror Story, right? Um, uh, but it's if you get a chance to see it, check it out. It's a it's a beautiful, wonderful movie. It's just a, uh, she plays a teacher who's chaperoning three kids, uh, high school kids, to a weekend long drama competition. Uh, and, and so most of it just takes place over the weekend at the hotel. Now uh-huh. I know uh, sometimes you get on my case for being a stickler about certain things, and uh-huh. not, not just going, oh, it's a movie or a TV show. Yeah. But I f- have found that one of your hang-ups is when teachers...
0: Have sex with their students? No,
1: not have sex with their students, oh, that's okay. not what this movie's about, but when teachers okay. behave in ways that, like, in in 2016 schools, mm-hmm. you wouldn't get away with. She, right. Uh, and so, that might be a turnoff for you, that she's not um, really doing her job as a chaperone and would... Perhaps get fired at the end of the movie if it were in real life Okay, so but, um, I
0: won't go see it But it is a really, really good movie Does she Does she do... Okay, I don't want to ruin the movie But does is her behavior in the movie better or worse than telling a student to lick me where I fart? <laughs> I would say it's better than that Oh, okay What is that from? Oh, this teacher, uh, I don't remember where, but some teacher uh, got either fired or suspended for talking shit to her students i guess they quoted her that was the worst thing she said but at one point she told another kid to grow some balls Uh like two kids were horsing around and one kid jumped on the other kid's back and she said oh you like it from the back and just a lot of inappropriate stuff (laughs) the biggest one being she says lick me where i fart to this kid so she's like brought up on charges and people are making a big deal about it but i don't know that's, I, I agree, that's also completely inappropriate And if a parent has a problem with that She should be fired That's the bottom line But yeah, if, uh, if in a movie If someone does something worse Than say lick me where I fart to a kid but The funny thing is I just heard that phrase the, for the first time Yesterday From Perez Hilton of all people Who I expected from Perez Hilton um, Have you heard about this Melissa Villanueva Villanoir uh, controversy. Villa Senor. Villa she's, Senor. Yeah, yes. this is...
1: Okay, go ahead. Uh, I have thoughts.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's sad because I don't know her. Uh, I don't know either, but I've seen her do stand-up. She's very funny. Yeah, she is a very funny person. I don't know her personally. And I think it's great that she got uh, on SNL. And also, you know, it's shameful that she's the first Latina on, a, on SNL in fucking huh. over 50 years. So, you know, uh, obviously... Um, Lauren Michaels' white liberal guilt doesn't extend to people, <laughs> a, anyone beyond black people uh, and, and women. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's kind of fucked because she's like, what, in her 20s? Uh-huh. So she's like now being held res- uh, accountable for tweets and shit that she made in her early 20s or her teens, yeah. which is uh, if any one of us, uh, you know, she grew up in, uh, on Twitter. When she was able to use a computer, Twitter was already invented. So any one of us uh, has shit on Twitter that we would be embarrassed about. Absolutely. I certainly this do. This is what
1: I'm. This is I, I'm so sick of this. This uh, like looking like vetting uh, every you know whether it's um, uh, now I forget the Daily Show guy's name. Yeah, but Trevor. It, uh It happened with him. It happened with uh, it's happened with some uh, film critic that I follow. Like, mm-hmm. uh, why are we? Where did the standard come from that they have to have always been? woke Right. whatever, you no, know? you're right. Like, in, in this please, case... Please, please don't go through my early tweets. No. Because I'm sure I said some shit. I because mean... Because I'm a different per- I'm changing. I'm, yes, we all are. We're trying to get better. So don't, don't go back and say, uh, look, Melissa Villasenor said something dumb six years ago. Say, oh, she hasn't said anything dumb in yeah. years. Like, clearly, we're all trying to get better. Like, <laughs> what is the point... If Of this, like, if you're not woke now, you never were type of... That's bullshit. Right. And it's not going to help us as a society
0: grow at all. And also because uh, not only do we all grow, but, you know, between the years of 16 and 20 and 25, you grow the most. That's when you're growing the most, literally and emotionally and spiritually. So, I mean, the key is, as soon as she got hired, somebody did a Google search of her... And looked at her Twitter and went, hey, there's this big gap of shit she clearly deleted between yeah. these years. So, that was... They were looking for shit. They yeah. were literally digging stuff up on her and saw, hmm, she deleted a bunch of stuff, so there must be something here. So, they looked a little harder and found a few things. Now, chances are the shit she deleted was really offensive. It was most likely jokes, but it was probably really offensive jokes. But still, why bother? She's a... Uh, I, you know I, I, I t- tweeted yesterday that Latina 20somethings have had it too good for too long on television <laughs> and we need to, people need to be held accountable Trump 2016. My point is why are we holding this young girl accountable for stupid tweets she said that really aren't even insulting are just kind of dumb and you know you know she says a black lady said this thing. Yeah, that's not maybe culturally sensitive, but it's also not 100% racist. When the fucking Republican nominee for presidency says offensive shit every single day, yeah. and nobody holds him accountable. And I, I was just on Jim's podcast, Who's This Now?, and we talked about this Jimmy Fallon bullshit uh, with him and Trump being best friends. And, and how you know Seth Meyers, who's only on an hour later, takes Trump to task as often uh-huh. as he can, and Trump couldn't even be bothered to walk two flights up to To be on that show because he's a fucking pussy, um, and then Seth Meyers comes out and defends Jimmy Fallon, which he sh- probably should since they're friends and coworkers, yeah. And also Seth, you know, owes a lot to Jimmy being his lead in. But he said, you know, the eleven thirty shows are different from the twelve thirty shows, which is equivocating, in my opinion. I think he's full of shit. I I understand why he did it, but I was talking about this with Jim, and you know, and I and I pointed out to him when Sarah Palin was on Jimmy Fallon years ago, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, when it when it happened. And he normalized her by putting her in a skit and, and showing us that we were supposed to laugh at her. That's, that's, like, where this shit started. And Jim said, well, back then it was just a skit. The stakes are too high now. My point is, that's where it fucking starts. You know, just like, I don't know who it was, but someone said, you know, you fucking normalize demagogues. By putting them on TV and showing, like, it's perfectly fine to be racist and and insulting because uh, uh, you can be a fun dude at the same time. Well, Sarah Palin's the same way. Granted, she's powerless and completely harmless, but it's that's where it starts. Because she starts doing that shit, and we go, well, it's perfectly fine for her to be a fucking complete piece of shit... And be funny and do stand-up on Letterman. So then it extends to other people to eventually where uh, we give that pass to the guy who's running for president. And it's fucking bullshit and it's not okay. We all need to be held accountable. Whether you're a fucking guy scooping my ice cream at Baskin-Robbins who says, Yeah, let me help you first before all these wetbacks come in. And I say, Whoa! Not okay, dude! Dude! You know, it doesn't matter who or what you are. That shit needs to be called out 24-7. And even if you're... And, and, and that's for everybody, not just white people. And I admit, it's white people who are the devil uh, 95% of the time. But it goes with everybody. Uh, but that's to, to go back to our other point,
1: if the ice cream guy, if you find out that he called someone a wetback six years ago... right. Don't jump down his throat now.
0: Right. Well, I, the, what you say it's is, changed. hey, man, do you still think all Hispanics are wetbacks? And if he goes, fuck yes, I do. Right. Or he goes, no, 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 that was a dumb thing I said six years ago. you got to drop it. Yeah. He basically disavowed that. He disavowed the person he was six years ago when he said that. You know, there's a lot. I think you and I are perfect examples the changes that we have gone through just in the past two years, yeah, you know, in that short amount of time, uh, you know, you being married and uh, you know, you, uh, spending so much time with your your wife who is a, a social worker and mm-hmm. and uh, dealing with that, me, you know, trying to kill myself and uh, going through therapy and all that shit, uh, you change. People change a lot, you know, especially when they have kids. That's you know, you hear it all the time. It sounds trite when people say, "Well, before I had kids, I thought this." And now I think that. Right. And sometimes it works the other way. You're like, well, before I had kids, I was a libertarian. But now I'm a Democrat because <laughs> I want to protect my kids from the bullshit that I thought libertarians were down with. And, and because people fucking change. Nobody is the same person. And that's why I would never vote. If, it was only, if that was the only reason not to vote for Donald Trump... That's a good enough fucking reason. Because he's the same guy he was when he was participating in WrestleMania. And when he was hosting the fucking Apprentice. And when he was talking shit about how uh, his baby daughter, newborn, doesn't have the big boobs like her mom does. But we'll wait and see if she's as sexy as her mom is. (sighs) And this is talking about Tiffany and Marla Maples. Not even about the shit he said about Ivanka. You know, there's a reason... Tiffany Trump refuses to be seen in public with her dad Uh, Look it up It's fucking horrible But this is where that shit starts And you can't just excuse it by saying Oh he's just a kid Or oh he's just an ice cream scooper Or oh she's just a comedian Oh blah 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 Because people hear that shit And it resonates And it leads to worse things In this case it's led to one of the worst things ever That Donald Trump might actually be our president So, uh, so that's a good point. Way to way to bring it up, David.
1: I don't know how (laughs) I brought it up. We were talking about uh, teachers and yeah, (laughs) and students. Yeah, and that's yeah. I was going to ask you. Okay, go back to the movie. Uh huh. Because I don't even know enough. I don't have kids in school or high school or any school. I don't have kids at all. Um. Uh. So I don't even know enough to know if this is wrong. In this situation, it's Mm -hmm. three kids and a teacher for a weekend in a hotel, right? Mm Hmm. The teacher takes the kids out to the to dinner at the restaurant at the hotel. Okay. Right?
0: Um, is it okay for the teacher to have a glass of wine with dinner? No. Nope? Not while she's with the kids. If she went down there by herself, like right. say it was like, okay, uh, kids, you have curfew at 10. Right. And they're in bed, locked down. If she wants to go down to their bar and have a drink and then come back up and check on them, I think that's okay. As long as she's not down there all night, you know, as long as it's only one drink... I think that's perfectly fine, but no, you should not drink alcohol in front of the kids because it is a uh, passive um, way to say it's perfectly fine to drink alcohol no matter what. Okay. Even though these kids are, you know, it is perfectly fine to drink alcohol if you are of age, but these kids are not, and it's, I saw this episode of The Real World a long time ago, <laughs> uh, I think it was Seattle, where this girl, Montana, I think, was that her name? Montana? She was uh, basically... Their job that season was to work with kids in shelters and basically hang out with them. So they took them to this food fair, food expo. And uh, her and the kids are going around going, yeah, check out this food and try this food. And she comes up to this wine booth where they're like, try some samples of our wine. And she has a few samples. She's like, oh, I like the Shiraz and blah, blah, blah. And she got in trouble for it because she was drinking wine in front of the kids and at one point one of the kids uh like grabbed a cup and smelled it and went ew gross and put it back down so she got busted and everyone was like wow she just had some samples it wasn't like she was getting drunk but it doesn't matter right you should not do it she should have said oh these are wine come on kids let's move along this is for grown-ups only right this is a grown-up activity because it's unfair Like say uh, This is maybe an extreme example But what if one of those kids Grew up in a fucking house full of Raging alcoholics right, Yeah, You're triggering now that kid To remember how his parents got drunk And made him feel unsafe And he's watching you drink <laughs> This happened in real life to my friend Jim He was out to dinner once With our, our friend Punk Rock And Punk Rock's mom and I, I apologize for calling her out but they were out to dinner, and Jim was got, got some iced tea and put sugar in it. And she says, oh, putting some of that white death in your tea, huh? Because she was a hippie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, yeah, I guess so. And then she orders a beer and drinks it. Uh-huh. And Jim goes, oh, having some of that brown death with your dinner? <laughs> and her response was, well, I'm an adult, and I choose to... These are the decisions I make. And I always... And I thought... I was a kid then, so I didn't say anything. But I thought, that's really bullshit. Because, A, you're completely... Dismissing his point Uh and saying something about how we all make choices so that's that's completely out of line because he's just saying you're being a hypocrite but you're saying I mean I guess her point was well we all make choices and I choose to be a hypocrite you know at this moment at this moment but she didn't have to say that shit about him putting sugar in his tea in the first place yeah why judge him for that and she was a fucking dumbass hippie she was harmless but she was a teacher uh, punk rock's mom was a was a teacher, so um I would always hear that kind of shit from her and from other uh, from other grown ups about you know choices and blah blah blah. Now I don't think you know they were out in a social setting, and I think uh, Jim might have even been eighteen at the time. who gives a fuck? but the point is don't be a hypocrite, take responsibility for shit you do, and when you drink alcohol in front of a kid. Uh, you got to remember what the ramifications of that are And kids are fucking I'm sorry to say it but kids are stupid And they're fucking <laughs> delicate And uh, they have to be watched over The way you would watch over a fucking pet You know uh, I mean we watch our kids better than we watch our pets But you know If I said to you hey I'm going to take your dog away for 3-4 days And not tell you what I'm doing Are you cool with that No absolutely yeah. fucking not You're not cool with that so when you give me your fucking kid For three or four days Or six hours a day uh-huh. That's a lot of trust You know You're putting in me and, and I need to live up to that fucking trust The bottom line Especially if it's a public school Does she go to a public yes, Teach public, a public school, school? Yeah. So absolutely My I'm fucking paying for that Right I may never have a kid in that school But still I'm paying for that Right And the parents of that school Are most definitely paying for that uh, In every single way So they may, they Tell her to do her job uh, and yeah I probably would hate This movie What's it called Mrs. Stevens Miss Stevens. Yeah I'm out I'm not going to see it
1: It's a really great movie
0: Well I don't know Who else is in it
1: uh, Rob Hubel Oh I like Rob Hubel And um, Oscar Nunez Is a small part <laughs> Alright uh, Alright
0: Anything else That you
1: saw Or talked no, about uh, let's, or talk, let's talk about These finales I well, want to I want
0: to wanna... go over Some new shows Real quick oh, okay, That okay. I watched I did watch The first two episodes Of the Good Place Yeah And the first one Is very very funny That's the one I saw The second one Not so much the shine wears off and it starts to, you know, you start to ask questions like, why is this guy still a Buddhist if he's seen what the afterlife is? He's still a Buddhist, but he's now in the afterlife that he imagined was something different. Right. Wouldn't you pretty much give that up once you went died and went to the good place? When you go, oh, I was wrong about Buddhism. Okay, never mind. <laughs> right, you wouldn't continue to be a Buddhist or a Christian or a fucking you know when because Jews have no heaven or hell. If you were Jewish and went to heaven or hell, wouldn't you go? Oh, I guess I was wrong about that. <laughs> or you wouldn't continue to go. Oi, this is hot. Why am I here? So and it's the second episode wasn't very funny either. So I don't know if, if the shine lasts throughout the series. Bull was bullshit. Uh, Michael Weather's there. Yeah, Michael Wedley is good, and it's a great cast, but. It's so fucking corny. Especially because, you know, at the core of the show, it's a crime drama. It's a legal drama. Right. So while he's manipulating and giving speeches and all, you still want to know who killed this person. And it's clearly not the guy they got on trial. So in the last ten minutes, they reveal who actually did it. And all the cops fucking show up right when she reveals it. To nobody. She reveals it to an empty room. And then all of a sudden you hear sirens and all the cops pull up. She looks out the window. Bull steps out of the car and glares at her from the fucking street. Horrible. Wow. And is like the longest shot ever. Like so long it looked like he was running out of faces to make. You know what I mean? <laughs> fucking it ruined the whole show. Like, uh, you think they had a final cut? And they were
1: like, oh, we're 15 <laughs> seconds short.
0: Probably. Because <laughs> just... he stands there, he shifts his weight, He... He grins. He smirks. He nods. It's like we get it. You busted her, and I and they don't say how he figured it out. It just did. Okay. Um, this is us. On the other hand, uh, I w- I don't want to spoil the ending because there is a twist that like from the beginning to the end of the show, it's just really introducing the characters. But the acting is dynamite. Sterling K. Brown is the black guy on the show. He yeah. just won a fucking Any Emmy. Winner. Yeah. So he's St. dynamite.
2: Wilson.
0: What? He's from Saint Louis. Okay, alright all That's the trivia uh, question this week uh, And I won it The answer is St. Louis, yeah, good job um, uh, But uh, but the ending, there is a twist that, uh, Joe McRaney is in the pilot He fucking oh. smashes it He destroys it, he's so good uh, He has this great scene with Milo Ventimiglia Who's very good But then at the end, it all there is a big twist Where it all comes together And it got me, I was in tears and it's not even very sad. It's just for some reason you get invested in these characters as the show goes on. And it kind of sneaks up on you. So I suggest everybody at least watch the, the first episode. Because uh, the pilot is very, very good. Easy on uh, Netflix. I um, know this one. Yeah, it's brand new on Netflix. It's, it's kind of like a Love American style type deal. Where it's got a huge cast and it just tells a particular story okay. in, in each episode. The first one is... Uh, What's his name from Orange is the New Black? He plays her brother. He's on A Million Things. I don't know. Um, and uh, Jesus. and the chick who played Esme in the Twilight movies. I don't know her name either. Um, but it's its its all about sex and love and relationships okay. and stuff. So it's kind of interesting. I watched Lethal Weapon. Uh, the first episode is exactly what you'd expect. If you like those two guys, then this is the show for you. If you're over Damon Wayans, then don't watch it. Um, but at one point, he goes... <sighs> Someone says to him You should retire Because he In this in this case He's not getting ready to retire He had uh, He got shot And he had open heart surgery So he's coming back To uh-huh. the force And they force This partner on him And at one point And his old partner Is Kevin Ram Who's now his boss oh. The captain So they have that Tight relationship And at one point Kevin Ram goes Don't you think You're getting a little too old And then David Wayans Interrupts him <laughs> and says Don't you say that I'm not going to retire <laughs> So that's kind of A funny gag But uh, but they're very charming together. But the show lives and dies with their relationship. I watched half of Notorious, the Piper Parable show, where she's a news producer. Oh right! Oh god, unbearable! Really? So bad. So fucking horrible. Just the worst. Uh, I could only get through half of it. And uh, last night I watched Pitch, which was corny AF. Um, And like you said, when I said it's actually based in you know real you know it has the real football or baseball league on it yeah and what is the biggest downfall of that D- they can't do anything that integrates the league whatsoever well even worse that the good thing is they use real players and rumps right. and yeah. whatever but that means they have to use real announcers oh and joe buck is through the whole fucking show huh. now i don't have a problem with joe buck other than the fact that he's boring as shit, but I can see why people hate him. Yeah. Uh, but he you know honestly—do you know where he's from? <laughs> the whole fucking show, beginning to end. If you don't like Joe Buck, this is not the show for you, because he never shuts up. Um, but Michael Beach is really good. But this, I will ruin the ending. He's a fucking ghost. He's not—he's yes. not real. He's not a ghost. But all the times, uh, you know, they show a bunch of flashbacks. But all the times she's talking to him in real time, it's in her imagination. Because he, then they show at the end that he died in a car accident. So that's bullshit. They show she looks in the stands and he's sitting there looking all disappointed at her. And I think, nah, eh, fuck that. Where's her mom? She has a mom and she has a brother that she grew up with. They apparently are not interested in her fucking making history. Being the first female to play a Major League Baseball game. But her imaginary dad is in the fucking uh, crowd. That makes zero sense to me. Yeah, um, I do have a bit of trivia about Joe Buck,
1: even yeah. though we'll, we'll never have a chance to answer this. Go ahead. So Joe Buck is he's from St. Louis, and his parents lived in St. Louis when he was born, but he was not actually born in the St. Louis area. So um, uh, where was Joe Buck born, and why was he born there instead of St. Louis? where who his
0: gives a uh, fuck? Where, where his How is that were? trivia? That's the do worst you know who his, who his dad is? Trivia. Um, Jack Buck the, Okay The Cardinals uh, Yeah, I knew he was a baseball guy uh, too Sportscaster So that's,
1: that's Yeah? Yeah, that's why Anyway, that's your clue
0: Now, I understand that his name is Joe Buck And he likes to fuck Yeah Is that true? Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, Isn't that how he Lewis. starts every sportscast? <laughs> Hello, welcome to Major League Baseball My name is Joe Buck And I like to fuck um, But, uh, I don't know it's, it, it, If you like baseball You might like the show Because of course Her first game, she fucking pitches eight pitches into the dirt, and they have to pull her. You know, she walks two guys, and they pull her. Second game, she pitches a no-hitter almost all by herself, Uh you know, into the, uh, like, eighth inning when they have to pull her out. So it's exactly what you expect. But Dan Laurie is really good. Bob Balaban's really good. He's the owner of the team. Yeah. You haven't mentioned the other star of the show. Mark Consuelos? Uh, Mark Paul Gossler. He's good, too. Yeah. He's the, the catcher and the captain of the team. Right. So, you know, he's, he's supportive. But, like, at one point he slaps her on the ass. And she has to... Uh, cuss him out for that But then he has to cuss her out by saying I'm the captain I can slap any ass I want that's what I do I slap Asses and so there's a Lot of that like her fitting in And like the, the starting pitcher Who is hurt You know of course has a fucking attitude And you know there's a bunch of Misogynist horseshit that you really couldn't Get away with like you know Professional sports get a pass on Sexual harassment because there are no women involved, there are no women on the team, <laughs> there are no women uh, in management. You know,
1: right? But where where it often comes up is with journalists, because right. there are a fair number of female
0: journalists. But still, they they get a pass because the journalists don't work for Major League Baseball or for the team. You know, they have to sit through sexual harassment seminars, but I guarantee they don't hear one word about <laughs> that. Um, maybe it, I think it's more important they talk about gay athletes. They're like, listen, mm-hmm. we all know Bob's gay, so here's the deal. But they don't have to talk about women because there are no women there. And in this case, it's fucking horrible. This guy needs needs to be fired for the shit he says. So it's corny as fuck. But
1: the Entertainment Weekly like fall TV preview or whatever. But Mar- Mark Paul Gossler was actually asked to gain weight.
0: Yeah, for that role, he's almost unrecognizable because his hair is black and he has a black beard. Uh-huh. You know, and we all know he's blonde Zach yeah. Morris. So the first scene, I didn't even recognize him until he started talking. Uh, but yeah cuz he's a catcher also so he doesn't yeah. have to be he doesn't have to be thin and he's old and he says um oh, old man on the team blah 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 but the acting's good and Michael Beach is diamond, dynamite but unfortunately he's going to be relegated to just scenes with her right. for the whole fucking show so that's what i watched all right you want to talk about angel well i i want to talk about
1: <laughs> i guess we'll talk about angel first that's uh, that makes sense um but yeah, actually, you know what? I'll hold my question because we're going to talk about how many other seconds. Let's okay. talk about Angel. Uh, this is I've reconfirmed after watching rewatching this last night for the billionth time. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: this is my single favorite episode of television of all time. I think. And why is that? Because I, I will say I watched it and I enjoyed it, and I and I think as far as like wrapping things up, uh, you know, as far as finales go, it's pretty great. It's one of the best. And, it, and I forgot that it brings back characters that were gone, like Lindsay left the show and then came back.
1: Yeah, he's back a lot in season five.
0: Yeah, and because I remember when he left originally, it was like a big deal. It was like, so long, farewell Lindsay, on the road. And then, yeah. oh, he's back now. No, big, I guess it didn't work out with him turning yeah, over only, a new leaf. He's he only gone for
1: two years.
0: Still, <laughs> um, his, it was a big send-off. It was like him grabbing his guitar and yeah. go, and turning over a new leaf. And then they bring him back. No, he's still evil, and he's so evil, has to be killed in this episode by Lorne. Yeah,
1: well, so, that's an amazing death scene. Yeah, um, I, I think that's it's not okay. It's it's very well made uh, as a as, as a story as a, as a wrapping up, um, but it also speaks to so many of the themes that I think are um, that, that that resonate with me. The this idea. And it's kind of like, you and I talked about this in in terms of a social justice standpoint. These guys are fighting literal demons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, fighting for social
0: justice out there. And your own um, demons.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but to me, it's, uh, you know, there's no, there's no lost causes and also there's no, like, goal. There's no day we're going to wake up and say... We did it. there's social justice, like the, the <laughs> no, the 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 value is in the struggle, right? In, in trying to um, change minds, or in this case, in the case of Angel, uh, rid, you know, trying to make there be less evil in the world. And so I've I I, I like this mix of fatalism, like this realization, like mm-hmm. we're not in our lifetimes going to rid the world of evil, but our lives will be more. Worthy and more valuable
0: If we fight anyway
1: And also That, that is so uh, That so resonates with me
0: Yeah and also it's about choice too And I, I, I was reminded This is a big thing with Joss Whedon Because when you think about it This ending is basically the exact plot of The Cabin in the Woods When they eventually realize what the point of the Cabin in the Woods is uh-huh. They say Oh we don't care We'll end the world anyways, because we should have the choice whether or not to end the world. You know, uh, Sigourney Weaver comes down and says, listen, the world will end. All you have to do is kill her, and we can all go on and live our lives. And he says, this is Fran Kranz, is like, "Mm, nah, Uh
2: because
0: that's not the way it should be. Granted, we may all die and probably will, but but at least we have the choice. And they say throughout this entire episode of Angel, oh, we're not going to survive. Yeah, we're gonna fight these demons. Yeah, he really is like they make they make it clear very many times. Yeah, like, every one of us will die, and we die. see Wesley die, we see Lindsay die. Yeah. I mean, they die right before our our eyes. It's and, uh,
1: it's, it's, it's
0: pretty much stated
1: like he's not gonna last ten minutes. Right, he's a, he's a Even human being. He doesn't team. have
0: a you know thirty thousand demons trying to kill him. He's bleeding out anyway. Right, and then Alaria is uh, Fred is already dead. Um so uh, yeah and it's and it's kind of it's the exact same thing we need to have a choice like he said what's the point of living we're not even really living these wolfram heart these demons this circle of whatever they control everything going on and it's almost like so if that's what's going on in the world why bother getting out of bed why bother feeding yourself mm-hmm. why bother loving another person because if the world's going to end we should have the choice to how we want it to end or what we do while it's ending.
1: And that's why is, we get the middle section of the show, which yeah. is so great, where Angel says, we're doing this tonight, take the rest of the day to do whatever you <laughs> want to do on your last day. Yeah. And so we see, illustrated, we see this is what they're fighting for. You know, In some mm-hmm. cases it's funny, like with Spike, but I think Guns is the big, the most telling one, right? Um, where he goes to spend his last day helping out at the... Homeless Youth Shelter. Right. Uh, and has the exact conversation with um, the girl, uh, Annie, who, um, by the way, like, showed up in the, is it the season three premiere of Buffy, mm. and then became a recurring character in Buffy and Angel. Like, yeah. she somehow was only in, like, four or five episodes of Buffy and Angel total, but it was worth bringing back for the finale. But that's it.
0: a Joss Whedon thing, too, yeah. with the girl who was the rat for you know four or five seasons uh, right, All of a sudden yeah. she's not her She's turned She's a rat And I think the first episode She gets turned into a rat And then she gets in her, her first episode In her No it, it, Well it's in the first season Right Cause uh, she gets She's turned rat no, in, a rat By a teacher
1: Um, uh, No she turns herself Into a rat Oh, accidentally! Yeah, it's, practiced... the, it's the ginger, right. it's the gingerbread man episode. Um,
0: right, she's uh, a cheerleader and wants to be head cheerleader, and
1: uh, no, see, you're getting confused. Oh, is that that's not? A diff- that's a different witch. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, so, but my point is that yeah,
1: Amy is from the other episode where the the um, the parents are going to burn her. At the stake. Right, right, she right. she turns right. herself into a rat to get out, away, but then...
0: She can't turn back. Yeah. Yeah, so, but g- literally years later, they bring her back on Buffy, and she's now back. And same with, like, Harmony. You know, she was just uh, a dumb blonde, and then all of a sudden she comes back on Angel. She's a vampire now. Yeah. And she has some depth, but she's still an idiot. Yeah. You know, and, and then Cordelia, the probably the best character arc of any character on TV yeah. you know uh, was Cordelia Chase I
1: agree I've actually I've been uh, rewatching season 2 um, uh, lately and
0: the where that's
1: that's where that happens I yeah. think where she goes from being like
0: the, uh, she even sort of says, she even like, says, I was the ditziest bitch in Sunny <laughs> Yeah. She says that to, to Angel, but then she's not anymore because when she went to Hollywood and realized she didn't have any money and no one cared that she was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Speaking
1: of Harmony, I know we're way off, but the, the season two episode where Harmony comes. To season two of Angel episode where uh-huh. she comes, which is the one that our friend Pat Healy is in. By the right. way, it's a fantastic Cordelia episode. Like it's yeah. it's called Disharmony, and you think of it as a Harmony centric episode, but it's really a Cordelia episode, and it really illustrates how
0: she has grown from who she was
1: when she was friends with Harmony. Anyway, and also he mentioned Cordelia because she's not in the finale. Well, he
0: mentions her, and uh, he yeah. says, "You know, we've already lost people: Cordelia and uh, Glenn Quinn um, Doyle.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's Adam Baldwin, right. Hamilton, who who mentions." Doyle according uh, to the end Fr- which and,
0: and as we all know, you know Doyle the reason he left the show is because he was addicted to drugs and then killed himself with drugs. So that's like not even something they wrote in it just happened mm-hmm. they had to write Glenn Quinn out because he had a drug problem mm-hmm. so that's like the real world part of the show go- coming in and you know and fucking shit up and then Vince Carthizer coming back yeah you know Angel spends his last day with his son and you know his son who's trying to live a normal life goes yeah. oh dad. You just can't let me live a normal life, can you? Uh-huh. And he shows up to to help kick ass as well. Because he knows, well, this is what I was meant to do. No matter how then, bad well, I live my normal life, we're and all And then again,
1: Angel something. gets
0: to bring the
1: point home where he's like, I know that I'm going to die tonight, but you are a piece of me. So if you live on in the way I live on, so we get the hell out of here. Right, right.
0: Yeah, uh, it's all... It's 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 pretty great in the way it tells a story and all, and but I think it has so much to do with Joss Whedon and his you know even the uh, you know you look at the Avengers the whole uh, not necessarily the Avengers movie but what he set up in that movie you know leading to Captain America Civil War and shit like that like you know you got the two good guys fighting against each other over principles they're fighting about a principle you know one one big superhero thinks There should be transparency. We have to answer to somebody. You can't have unchecked power. The other one says, it's all about duty and all about honor. And I will, you know, stand by my friend against my country if need be. And that's like some, that's a Joss Whedon, you know, trope almost. Doing the right thing, not necessarily for everyone else, but for you. What is the right thing for you? How can you look yourself in the mirror Every day. And in this case, Angel says, I can no longer look myself in the mirror knowing what I know. Yeah. Uh, and he convinces them all. So I'm going to do this with or without you. Yeah. But I'm going to do it with you. Because if, you, if you're not with me, you're against me.
1: Um, and then before we move on, let's also just talk about... Uh, yeah, Joss Whedon was one of the writers of this episode. And the dialogue is uh, so sharp. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I- including in the two major death scenes uh Wesley's death is uh I I watched it again last night and I teared up like I always do. Yeah, it's um, pretty brutal. And part of it is that uh, it's a great great performance by Alexis Denisof in that, in that in that scene. Um but then you've also got um Lindsay's death scene who which is weirdly touching in that Yeah. He's not he's not upset that he's dying. He's upset <laughs> that he didn't get to die in a glorious way. He's like he says, You a flunky, you kill me? No, yeah. Angel kills me. Right. And even
0: uh, and that's yeah, that's he could not e- He couldn't even been killed by Ilaria or Buffy or Spike or some <laughs> someone who's a badass, because he's just a dude. He knew it, at and, some point yeah. he was gonna be killed by some supernatural creature. But he thinks of himself as the big bad. Right. As far avenging. as humans go, he's one of the baddest for sure. But but then he goes, What? This fucking cause Lauren we all know doesn't have any powers. He's a well. He can read people. When yeah. He's saying. Yeah. But no, like f- fighting or aggressive powers. Yeah. Is that he has a passive power, um, but he's like one of the as we learned on Buffy and Angel. There are demons who are completely benign, uh-huh. and he is a one hundred percent benign demon. Even in uh, even in um, I- emotionally and intellectually, he does not want to fight. Yeah. He says, makes it very clear. I don't want to do it. And even in this, he says, listen. I won't be meeting you at this big fight. Yeah. I'll do what you want me to do, but then I am fucking out. Don't look for me. Don't try to find me. I'm done with your bullshit. Because he he's not that guy. He can't yeah. do it. And but yet still. he still gets to be a badass. His his final words
1: to Lindsay, when Lindsay's like, I'll sing for you, and he says, I've heard you sing, and then
0: shoots him <laughs> twice in the chest. That's a yep. fucking badass. It absolutely is. And 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 also, the I don't know what the word... It's not necessarily poetic justice, but I, I guess the irony... Of, you know, all these crazy uh, super-powered beings with, you know, enhanced strength. And they use magical devices. And then they also use technology. Uh Uh, He just fucking shoots him with a tiny little girl gun. (laughs) Bang, bang. And it takes him a while to even die because the gun is so small. Uh, And there's a, I guess it is a kind of poetic justice in that. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. And also, uh, it ends in the way it should, that he says, we're all going to die, and you don't see it. They just walk off into the into the battle. Yeah. And I mean, but it's like, oh, there's actual flying dragons. Yeah. I don't think they're going to survive this.
1: Yeah, I think, the speaking of the dialogue, that last line, like, personally, I kind of want to slay the dragon. Let's go to work. And then mm-hmm. that's the end of the series.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and it also, it also uh, you know, it makes you think about what happened after that? Because didn't Buffy continue on after that? In the comics, you mean? Or was Buffy already off the air? Oh, Buffy been
1: off for okay. a year.
0: So what's really happening is the end of the world. It's not just the end of L.A. This is going to spread I, out. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've gone back and forth on whether or not that's that's true. Because Wolfram and
1: Hart are... Specifically exacting revenge on Angel and his crew at that point. I don't yeah. know that they are actually trying to bring but also,
0: the th- end of the world. Well, no, but they're also trying to also uh, uh, bring back their hold on reality in the way. But see, that's not who Wolfram and Hart are. Yeah, they're 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 just they
1: just want to be on the right side. It's not really Wolfram and Hart aren't usually trying to engineer an apocalypse. They're mm-hmm. just trying to. But I'm fall, saying they want they fall on the right side
0: of it. But so they I want to be know. in charge. Also, they they want to run things. And um, I think if yeah, they would rather the
1: scenes. they would
0: rather destroy the world than not be in charge. And if they have to show the world that they're in charge by destroying it, they will do that.
1: I I I, I don't know. Having being in the midst of a rewatch of the series, that's not the Wolf from the Heart. That I that's not what I think. they're... I think their goals are a little more insidious. I think they'd rather someone else destroy the world and run it, and then they. The pulling the strings behind them,
0: okay, so well then maybe they're not even fighting Wolfram and Hart, they're just fighting their more powerful beings that they keep in reserve, yeah, you know, when the world ends. so okay, that's a good point, so maybe it was maybe they reach an accord at some point, yeah. maybe they all die, and then Wolfram and Hart comes out and goes, all right, that's a wrap, everybody go home. <laughs> Let's fucking clean this shit up and try to rebuild our organization so but it uh, it reminded me, I mean at the time when that happened, it reminded me. There's so many still, so many great stories to tell from the Buffyverse. You know, we know of at least two former Slayers that Mm -hmm. that uh, Spike killed. I would love to see their stories. You know, that one guy's mom who was a Slayer, yeah, uh, who was a badass black chick. I would love to see a show about her. Um, or, you know, as when Buffy ended and then all the Slayers became Slayers. Yeah. We, I'd love to watch a show about any one of them. Well, that's
1: what the comic is. You can read the comic.
0: Yeah, I, I just said I'd love to watch a show. Did okay. you not hear me say sh- no, the word right. show? No, you're right. Sorry. Um, so, but there's still so many great stories to tell. And it's funny because, you know, I'm sure you thought this too. When Buffy went off the air, you went, oh, no more Spike. And then he showed up on Angel. We all went, Hooray! <laughs> Hooray yeah. for Spike is back! So why not? Uh, you know, oh, okay. yeah. This another
1: great line from this episode of Spike saying, "Which one of us do you think is the Shanshu prophecy about? Which one of us gets to become a real boy?" Right. And Angel's like, "Let's not kid ourselves. Neither one of us is coming through this." And Spike goes, "As long as it's not you." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that you know and it highlights his great arc of how you know the brilliant way they turned him into a good guy yeah. without making him a good guy, still a piece of shit. Um, but he came back to life once uh, In a completely ridiculous Inexplicable way Why couldn't he come back again some, some kid is digging around In a LA dump and he finds this thing And he opens it Hey it's Spike again I'm back <laughs> Guess what guys I didn't die Just like the first time What's new what are we doing here um, And it's the Spike show are we ready to transition into How I Met Your Mother? Oh, because there's a thing. There's a thing
1: I want to say that I think is a great transition into it. That okay, that, go ahead. Has effect. So one of the great things about this Angel finale and really the season five uh, is that since the end of season one, the end game of Angel has been this Shinshu prophecy. That yeah. If he keeps fighting for redemption, eventually he gets to become human again. Right. And in this episode, he signs away any possibility of that ever happening. Mm-hmm. He, he says, I will never get to be human. And so it's the show sort of, in a way, uh, and, and it was building over the last few episodes up to that, but in a way, it's the show pulling the rug out from under the, 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 the viewers and saying, this thing you thought was, uh, was what the show was about, it's not actually about that. And it does it in a really good way. It's, How, like, it's like a MacGuffin, really. Well, but How I Met Your Mother, on the other hand, oh. does the same thing <laughs> yeah. in an awful bullshit way. And I will say, uh, I don't know why you picked this. Um, I picked my favorite finale of all time. Yeah. You picked, the, what, I can't. the most controversial one? Maybe. Or,
0: yeah, I'll, um, I'll say the most controversial in recent years. In recent years. But, <laughs> but also, let's not forget that Alexis Denisoff is on one show and Alison Hannigan's on the other. There's, There's that connection there. There is that
1: connection, that's true. And but, Alexis uh,
0: Denisoff was on both, actually.
1: So, I had never... Actually watched this finale before. I thought I had, but I realized it was just because I'd read so much about it. So having watched it, I totally get why everyone was so pissed off. All right, good. Well,
0: bullshit. Pause, pause that so we can talk. That we can do some uh, cleaning. Okay. Um, The last trivia question was your question about Sookie, not Sookie (laughs) Snooky from uh, Jersey Shore. Yeah, because she's going to be on the um, the Celebrity Apprentice, the new Celebrity Apprentice. That's right, with Schwarzenegger. And so Jen Edwards. Got that correct, so I'm gonna send her this Dr. Worm shirt uh, when I, w- go, when I can. So she so so for trivia questions in the future, the person who got the very last trivia question correct on Hey, watch this is longtime listener Jen Edwards. Yeah. So uh, congratulations. And um, I did, there's a there's a message that I did not I purposely did not play on the last show. Okay. from Dr. Alex Daniel because the transcription is pretty funny. and okay. I, I wanted to read it and oh. I knew I knew you would like it. I love, I love this. Yeah. So uh, so this is uh, Alex a uh, Dr. Alex Daniel uh, when he wrote in to uh, tell us what some of his favorite stuff was and he talks about the stalker clip that I couldn't find. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna read the transcription. Here we go. Google. Bax, this is your pal, Dr. Daniel. How's it going? I'm calling to leave my favorite memory about a watch this, and there are several. So MySpace, a longtime listener, been with me since the very beginning. I remember when I was first announced on Battleship Attention. <laughs> I've been listening ever since then, so my favorite memory is whenever Goal to announce. He is leaving this God for sake and show, getting obviously if you remember me. I was probably two or three years ago, (laughs) or whenever you guys are doing Make Your Fall Preview, and you came across this stalker kind of procedural thing go by the guy who made the following. And Paul had just a little bit about where he was pretends to reenact the show, and you know, everyone returning there, somebody there stalking him in a freak them out. And he screamed, you know, so I think about that from time to time still today, and we'll laugh about it (laughs) publicly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Second favorite thing was probably the screaming match that that too. If you got into over last episode Nashville, uh, I think that might have been the guitar music episode. No, no, it wasn't. It was just about the show being terrible.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it, no. This is about what I was talking about earlier about my uh, hearts and minds conversation, and you're you're saying
0: fuck homophobes, and I'm saying no, ah, trying to right. change the minds of homophobes. Right. Okay. So that was definitely a highlight. The next week is funny. But it's all still actually really interesting where the two of you were coming from. The third favorite thing, obviously, if he's going beef with Marlon Wayans and Leslie Mann. (laughs) I love your in-hearing about that. But I think more broadly, I guess one of my favorite things about the show has been, I'm going to get sentiment. I'm going to get good seats. So, But I think that I like that the two of you show that it's okay to be yourselves. And it's okay to laugh at yourself. And that if you fucked up or you say something stupid, it's not anything to be embarrassed about. Just fucking laugh about it. You know, it's not a big deal. You know the phrase, glass in the whole world laughs with you? (laughs) (laughs) And the other kind of frosting. (laughs) I really love boat show is only two kind of. Posing personalities that the two of you had. But the two different viewpoints for how how you approach televisions. You know what you like about it and think that it. So if you did a really good job of pushing each other outside of your comfort zones, just enough to keep it interesting, so David, don't ruin the show. (laughs) I think he's saying, so David, don't ruin the show. I think that's what he's trying to say. I know that you won't, but if I load up iTunes and see the Great American Bake Off or Great English Bake Off or whatever, three episodes down the road, I'm going to call Google and see what he can do about this, all right? <laughs> Google. He means global. Yeah. Thanks for the years of enjoyment. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Oh, thanks, so, Alex. That's a great message. And, and, and Alex, I really love Boat Show too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he makes a good point about you know why people listen to this show because we obviously have strong opinions and informed opinions, and uh, and also we offer them without any um, any apologies mm-hmm. or explanations. But I think he makes a good point about us pushing each other out of our comfort zones. You making me yeah. watch shit I hate or wouldn't bother watching like that Billie Jean King documentary. Oh, right. And yeah. stuff like that. Or the that. Pussy Riot documentary. Or the Pussy Riot documentary. Which, you know, two things. I consider myself a better person for having watched those. Uh-huh. Uh, they're fascinating. And then you having to watch shit that you would never watch in a million years. And thinking, "Yeah, eh, this was pretty funny. Or, "Uh, that was horrible. I'll yeah. never watch this again. What was
1: the, speaking of baseball, what was the pilot with, with James Caan? Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, Back in the Game. Back in the Game. Oh, that was a rough one. Yeah, right? Things like that. But now you'll remember these short-lived pilots every yeah. once in a while. Someone will say, did James Conn ever do another TV show besides Las Vegas? And you can say, well... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also, I I think he brings up a good point, too, about just the way we live our lives and how, you know, uh, it's all about... Uh, I think one th- the, the reason podcasts got popular in the first place is because... Unlike regular radio and to an extent terrestrial radio, uh, podcasts are the place where people can be 100% honest, either in anonymity or, uh, you know, as themselves. And as we saw with Jimmy Pardo and Mike Schmidt and, you know, people who uh, uh, were, you know, Ricky Gervais, uh-huh. people who were the foref- at the forefront of podcasting, the reason they got listeners is because they were all, everyone was honest You got to hear an honest opinion or an honest judgment or just a peek in the life. Kevin Smith, perfect example. He's got 20 podcasts and they all star him talking about his life. You know, and people like that peek inside. And I think it also has uh, permeated into the culture of, you know, the biggest, apparently the biggest thing for millennials these days is to be authentic. That's all they care about. Mm -hmm. Authenticity. Don't be a poser. Don't be a fake fan. If you're going to, you know, that's why people hate douchebags.
1: And don't have any old tweets where you
0: talked about black women. And, you know, exactly, but and I think we work. this podcast, even though you know it's ostensibly about television and uh, and and being you know critical and and giving a review, uh, we're honest about our reviews and we're honest about everything else. Whether it's you know this thing was bullshit today or. Uh, I loved seeing this thing today or, you know, or in my personal life. Hey, guess what, guys? I just tried to kill myself, Uh you know, uh, shit like that. We uh, it's all about honesty. And I think that's what kept our our viewers for our viewers, our listeners for so long. Um, So thank you for pointing that out. And I hope that people take that lesson to heart that you cannot be a successful, you know, uh, fucking Adam Carolla. And uh, these big shots who do podcasts are just fucking radio shows on the Internet right. is all they are uh, where, you know, they're just interviewing people and soft soaping them and giving you what, you know, it's fucking talk radio is what it is. But a real podcast is what, you know, what we do and uh, what Mike Schmidt and guys like that do. So if you want to be a podcaster, if you're a young person, do that first. Figure out who you are first and who you want people, what you want people to know about you. And then start podcasting And be that person And uh, and you'll be much happier While you're doing it uh, Alright, uh, so you want to move on and out To How I Met Your Mother? I guess Okay, here's the thing Here's why I wanted to watch How I Met Your Mother Because, first of all I think it's one of the best shows Best sitcoms in recent history uh, When it was on the air I couldn't believe how funny it was mm-hmm. Amazing cast Well written And as we saw uh, many much of this was planned out from the few, from the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah, that's true, and that's weird to me. At least where they were going to end up, and in the first season. Well, if you watch the very first episode, you think, "Oh, this is about how he met and fell in love with Robin and married her." And then at the end of the first episode, they say, "She wasn't your mother. She's yeah. your aunt Robin." Yeah, that's why I in your aunt Robin. Yeah. And, and so you realize, "Oh, that's what the show is." And we're not going to meet her for a while. And in the last season. It does get a little cloying, because you see her feet, and then you see her body, and you see her playing bass, and then you actually meet her, and she becomes a part of the show. Uh, they date, and then in this last episode, its uh, I think the first scene takes place in 2020, um, which is still in the future for us, but back yeah. then it was in the way future, but they've been together for five years. They have two little kids. Barney and Robin have been married and divorced already. Mm-hmm. Uh um, Lily and Marshall have gone to Italy and come back. And so everyone is set in their lives. Um, but still... Now, did you just rewatch the last half hour?
1: Yeah. Okay, I, I ended up watching them both because I had never seen them before. Yeah. And they did initially air the same night,
0: right? It was a one I hour think thing. so, yeah. yeah. I just showed them both at the same time. So what we're, so then you're watching it and going, Oh, I don't. we've already met his mother. We've already met these kids' mothers. There's got to be something else going on here. And so, what, you know, eventually we, we come to the end, and Robin is, he says, this is how I met your mother, but that's not who he ends up with, because she dies, and then at the very end, he professes his love for Robin, and we can assume they lived happily ever after. Alright. And you have a problem with that.
1: Here are my thoughts, because I also, uh, no, I, I tuned out the last couple seasons, I went, I watched some of the final season, um, but yeah, weirdly hadn't watched the finale. Because uh, everyone says it was, I <laughs> said it was awful. Um, and well, here's the thing: the first half hour is great, but what I'm going to say is, I want to agree with you. It's one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. It is my friends. I feel like, yeah, I think what you know, people maybe a little bit older, maybe your age, uh, identify with friends. To me, the friends didn't represent as a kid. They didn't represent what I wanted to be. And then when I got to the age, they are. On the show, mm-hmm. they didn't represent what my life was actually like. No, well, the, the big. Fr- the, the friends have th- always seemed kind of square and older. Like, they're yeah. supposed to be in their 20s in the first season, but they already
0: seem like they're no. in their, he, in their late 30s. Ross is already days. a doctor when the show yeah. starts. Yeah. Now, the, the big lie of friends is that it was what people uh, my age wanted their life to be but nobody lived that life. Nobody hung out in a coffee shop 24/7 yeah. and had a great apartment in New York and was a doctor or a fucking chef or an actor on a soap opera. Nobody it was what people wanted to be and more and then beyond that, the Jennifer Aniston, Matthew Perry, we wanted to be those guys too. Right. But so people of my age, that's why my generation is so fucking terrible and such a bunch of failures because yeah. we aspired to these things that we could never ever be whereas How, whereas, many, how, how many, yeah. many
1: premiered in the fall of 2005 yeah. so I was just a little over a year after, out of having graduated college which is pretty much where the characters yep. start off yep. and it seemed much more like my life they're living in a big city I had lived in Chicago, and then had just, just, it, the show premiered right around the time I moved to Los Angeles, but I had was living in the city, not really having a career yet, but mm-hmm. like, hanging out with friends, fucking around, going to bars, not coffee shops, they hang out in a bar, which is yeah. way more relatable to
0: me yeah. than and a they drink, Yeah, they drink beer and alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they and, don't drink coffee.
1: And they were kind of smartasses, and like, they
0: loved each other, but they fucked with each other, like... And they weren't super successful either. Yeah, except exactly what
1: Barney was, I think.
0: But still, he was a douchebag. Yeah. That's the thing is they weren't... Like, Barney had this great job working for GNB. We eventually find out he works for a bank. Yeah. But we don't know what he really does. But he's a horrible person. <laughs> and he's completely shallow. And that's one of the reasons they keep him around. Because he he they he reminds them of what they don't want to be. But but you're right. <laughs> Lily was a great a preschool teacher, which is... No offense to preschool teachers, that's barely a job. It's, <laughs> it's it, all it is is babysitting with a degree, and you got And I'm not saying it's not a hard job. Yeah, it's but nice it's soft. not a hard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. Do it. It's a hard job to do, but it's not a hard job to get. It's a. If you have a degree in teaching, you can get a job being a fucking preschool teacher anywhere. Whereas Marshall is still going to. He's still in law school. Still in, in law right? school. That's right. okay. Ted is. You know, he's an architect, but. He doesn't. He has a shit job with a dick of a boss. Yeah, and and then Robin, uh, as we know, she, she doesn't get a good job until pretty much the end of the show. She yeah. hates her jobs all the way through that yeah. show. So that's you know that's what I think. Where the show succeeded, where Friends failed, is showing that these people aren't always happy, and it, it goes up and down. Sometimes they get great jobs, like when Marshall and Lily split. They make a point of saying, Yeah, Lily's super happy, and then they show, no, she's not happy at all. Yeah. She's miserable. So uh, it's the on- again, it's about that authenticity and that honesty. Yeah, I think and, that's and, what and, resonates. Yeah. How many your
1: mother's picture of what it looks like to be in your mid to late twenties and be having fun <laughs> in a major city yeah. is much much more like my life, you know, like rooftop parties and uh, you know, going, yeah. you know, bar hopping and stuff like that. There's
0: there's this one great episode of How I Met Your Mother where um, uh, Ted is. Uh, I think Ted and uh, and Barney are trying to bang these two chicks, who say they're from the city. They live in New York, but they actually live in New Jersey. Yes, that's totally. That's totally you when you were living in Chicago, and someone said, "Oh, I'm from Chicago," and you went where? And they said Naperville. And he went, right. fuck off! Schomburg. You're from the fucking suburbs. You live with your parents. I live right there, across the street. I pay way too much, and I hate my roommate. You don't live in fucking Chicago. Yeah, it's shit like that that is all about being authentic. Yeah,
1: um, so my point is that... Uh, well, I just made all my points. But the other thing about the finale yeah. is that I don't feel... You're right. It did start off with Robin, but I didn't feel for most of the... It was nine seasons, right? Yeah. For the first... I think I stopped watching regularly sometime in the seventh season. But for that time, I never felt like the end game was Ted and Robin. Uh-huh. And then I feel like, having gone back and watched some of the final season, I feel them like trying to engineer that, uh-huh. dropping hints. And I think there's the one point where we find out that um, in the ninth season... Um, Ted had jumped into the lake in Central Park to get Robin's ring, right? And right. gave it to Barney to tell tell you know tell Robin you found this, and right. Robin finds out it's Ted and says maybe I should be marrying Ted. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff seems so. I can see them, you know, and like see I can see the gears and see the yeah. strings. Uh, and so when it gets to this, like, what we waited eight plus years to find out about the mother, mm-hmm. and we get to spend. Half an episode with her, <laughs> and then she's dead, and then it's about Robin. Like, yeah, it seems like an insult. Yeah, I, I and I can see that. However, uh, uh, not forget her name, Christina Miliati? Kristen, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, um, she's fantastic, and so she really is. She good. so seems she's great in the role. She so seems like someone that Ted would love, and would love Ted. And she, in the little glimpses we get of her being part of the group,
0: she fits. Yeah, it. So it seems so. Cruel, cool, almost to kill ah, off. Okay, and I think I think you've hit on why people don't like it. But it it reminds me. I mean, they always said that if you talk to the producers and the writers now, they'll say that's what that was our intention from the very beginning. And, and it's true because the stuff they shoot with the kids
1: in the final the, that final or the second to last scene, yeah, they clearly shot that years ago because the kids are older.
0: Yeah, now. They sh- Lindsay Fonseca and David Henry, who are actually you know bankable actors now, they both have been on. Big shows. David Henry was the star of Wizards of Waverly Place. Ladies right. of Fonseca was on uh, Nikita. Nikita, and uh, she was also on Peggy Carter. Um, oh, right. Yeah. And, and she was in Kick Ass. You remember her in Kick Ass? I never saw. She Kick-Ass. was in the first one. Um, and they're, you know, they're grown ups now. They're both in their twenties, so obviously they shot that shit on the first day. And the problem with that is when you know where you're going, when you know exactly where you're going. It gets uh, in the, you know, on the way there, sometimes it can get a little, a little boring. Uh Or, you know, it seems like, well, this is a road map as opposed to a road trip. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's the problem when you get, you can do that with a movie or with a series of movies even, but you, when you do that with a TV show, it's dangerous because A, first of all, shit happens. Actors leave the show. People die. Writers, producers die. The network says, We're no more shows about people in New York and just cancels you for some arbitrary reason, right? You know, or, uh, or the what's worse is you just get complacent and, you know, and because you're like, Well, we know where we're going, so you don't concentrate on the each episode, you're more concentrated on the journey. And I think that's what has happened, uh, up to that show. But I'll say this, like, in. In terms of it being a finale, you got to remember, just like all those people who were mad at the Sopranos finale for not really, you know, showing what happened or not giving us a clear cut whatever, that show also gave you years and years oh, of amazing entertainment. Absolutely, I 100 percent agree because uh, I've been saying this since uh, Sopranos, at least, um, or
1: Sopranos possibly, but at least since Lost. Yeah. When people want to act like not being happy with. The way Lost ended means that none of the show was worth it. Exactly. That's such bullshit. It's not not true. I still think High Man Your Mother is one of the greatest sitcoms of all time.
0: Yeah. Um, And so and and so but to address your, your concern about you know it seeming cruel and seeming like a cheat you know, that, she's not a real person. You know that, right? <laughs> that, this actress is an actress playing a part. So, you But you get invested in the characters. Yes, and you exactly. do take it personally. But the truth is, she was, just like everyone else on the show, serving the story. And the story was about how Ted ends up with Robin. Now, I am the first person to admit there are big problems with the show that could have been easily fixed. The first is, why does Bob Saget narrate the whole show, telling this story, but then at the end... Ted Mosby sounds like Josh Ragnar and not Bob Saget. Why is his voice so different from the voice that is telling the story? I mean, he literally changes his voice from one sentence to the next, if you think about it, yeah, right? That's, it starts with that's saying... That's
1: the most graceful... Way. How would you have had them do that differently? Okay,
0: here's what he does. It's, the show starts with him going, So, kids, blah, 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 Bog Saget's voice, right? Uh-huh. Then they show him behind the desk for the first time, and he goes... Hurr, hurr. Sorry, I had something in my throat. Anyways, kids... <laughs> And it's all it does is acknowledges that, makes a little funny joke, yeah, that's pretty funny, and he actually, moves on. Yeah. And then he has a picture of Bob Saget, or, or even better, <laughs> he 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 pushes like a he put he, he goes thanks Bob I'll take it from here and puts his phone down. That would have been hilarious. Okay, I, don't like, I like okay. the first one, but still hilarious. But I'm saying easily fixed. So the, I
1: mean, you're fixed if you think of it as a problem. It didn't occur to me. No, people, you're right. It's if,
0: if it's not a, if it's a problem. So there's so there's that. Then also the thing about her, you know, coming and going away so they can get with Robin. What else? Because I know people who are mad about the Barney-Robin thing. About, you know, we watched an entire season of them getting married. Each se- each episode was a day leading up to their marriage. And then we find out, nah, it didn't work out. Like, literally, as soon as it happens, oh, by the way, that didn't work out. They got divorced less than a year later. Yeah. Wink, But
1: here's, the th- well, no, it was three years. Um, I know because I just
0: watched it. Okay. <laughs> but,
1: um... As someone who watched the show from the beginning, I actually think that fits. It
0: does fit, but, but people like, still feel the same yeah, way you did.
1: I, I actually think that I like they made, that they made the
0: choice to divorce Barney. Though, okay. Because I, and, I think they would have gotten divorced if this were a real Yeah, guy. I agree. And you know what? Some people like that the mom died, too. I'm yeah, just saying, yeah, I mean, if you don't like not. it, sorry. It serves a bigger purpose. And, uh, and Robin and Barney uh, getting divorced, uh, people feel the same way about that. But what else would you have them do with this character? Wouldn't you be madder if it just didn't work out between between Ted and uh, Tracy? Wouldn't you be mad if they said no, it just didn't work out? Where is she now? I don't know. I mean, that would be bullshit, right? Not there. Especially because these kids have a mom. They're like talking to their dad, he's telling this whole story, and they're like, you know what, my phone has been ringing for the past nine years, yep. mom wants to talk to me, can I pick it up please? <laughs> no, she's got to be dead. Now, has the, here's to
1: what dead. happens at the end, uh, Christina Miliati, they're still together, Christina Miliati walks out, joins Ted at the desk, and she says, like, now let me tell you what
0: I was doing for the ten years leading up to meeting your father. Well, they have that episode. Um, it's called it's the How I Met Your Mother episode, but it's all about her uh-huh. and her friends in the be- the in the opening credits. It shows her and her friends laughing, but each one of them is like a character that we've seen in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's a brilliant fucking episode. But they they actually do that show that this woman had a life here in New York before, and it's not just the episodes we see with the umbrella and whatever in the base. They she hung out at that bar all the time, and uh-huh. no one ever saw her. You remember the naked guy? Yeah he was actually a friend of hers they were good they were good they were musician buddies he played the tuba or something so that's a great episode so i honestly i don't there's no way for him and robin to get together unless she dies and she has to die in a gentle uh comforting way and i find it funny because it's also the same as uh, her character on fargo which she was great on who was also dying for the entire entirety of that show right from the I first you didn't watch that, that year of Fargo? I, didn't have, I haven't seen any of Fargo. What the fuck is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> Honestly. I don't watch TV anymore, as you know.
0: Well, in the, in the second season of Fargo, it basically goes back in time. She plays Alice and What's-Her-Name's mom, who we know died oh, of okay. cancer. So when the episode starts, she's been diagnosed, and she slowly dies as the season goes on. And she's great. But you're right. I will say this. The one thing that feels like a cheat to me... And it's disappointing is that in this episode in particular she is so fucking funny when Barney comes in and says yeah she's pregnant she has she's like so where are you guys registered <laughs> <Yeah>. it's hysterical <laughs> and she and she oh, makes yeah, like number 31 uh oh, his name at french yeah <laughs> she fits in so perfectly with them and obviously her and Ted are a couple you know match made in heaven especially when you see all the women he's dated you know and good ones too like you know Sarah Chalky and not just dingbats but people who we thought were the one uh-huh. you know and she fits in so perfectly and she's so fucking beautiful it's crazy to me that this woman that this woman wasn't famous before this show cuz she's fucking amazingly beautiful but i think okay. that's the only I way it's the only way it can happen that she dies from a horrible you know terminal illness and everyone feels bad for Ted, and then he raises these two teenagers on his own. But it also, you know, after a, a appropriate amount of mourning, which I think they say it's been six years. It's been six years, Dad. Yeah. It's t- everybody says because that's you know eventually everyone says you need to start dating again or yeah. whatever. But in this case, they go, Dad, you're never going to get a better chance to be with the woman who you've always been in love with because you know we all know that guy, uh, especially when you get older. Uh, You see, where like, you know, you're lucky enough to have found your soulmate, as they say. Um, But like, you see, as you get older, like, there's someone who you've always had affection for. Maybe you were just always friends and you always thought, hmm, if things had gone differently. But you've always been in a relationship when they were single and they were in a relationship when you were single. And it just never, the timing was never right. And in this case, six years after her death, which is what? 10 years after he, you know, after they met, mm-hmm. he's been waiting almost 20 years for the timing to be right and it takes his actual seed to say to him the timing is perfect and she just lives across town. You need to, you know, all you need to do is make a phone call. And then they also, I think people discount the fact that cuz they're so sad about how Robin's a big star and she doesn't show up anymore and and they're actually kind of relieved because of course Barney is still bitter. Uh-huh. He hasn't had a kid yet. So every time they even bring up Robin's name, Barney is mad about it. So it's like this is the perfect time you can reconnect with her and build a life and you know she's single and she's back in New York now. you got to do it. and I think it's it works for me because it's real. It's actual that's the way things happen even though his kids are you know they're practically grown now he's a fucking old man he's you know he doesn't have to scrape for fucking money anymore he developed he designed this amazing building downtown that you know he made a million dollars off every you know marshall and lily lily have their own kids they can't babysit him anymore you know he's not their kid which was the dynamic for so long in that apartment and it's time to move on with your life to the next stage of your life as we've talked about there is no ending him meeting the mother was not the ending of his life she died that was not the ending of his life your your ending of your life is when you die that's yeah, when that's, that's the finish line that's something and I'm glad I watched the first half of the episode as well
1: because that's something it, it illustrates the idea that things Keep time keeps moving, and like the things that are important to you, they will always have been important to you. You yeah. always hold on to that, but they grow apart as as friends, and that's just something that that happens. And it doesn't it has mean to happen. it doesn't mean the friendship wasn't uh, wasn't important or
0: wasn't meaningful at the time. Of course,
1: uh, I do think I, I, I like the first half of this finale a lot better than the second
2: half.
0: Yeah, well, because uh, you know, and, and again, with all, it's only a third, you know, thirty minute sitcom with actually twenty four minutes, so. Uh, when it starts to wrap up and gets down to the end you're like well here it comes Uh and it has to be a bit formulaic because that's how tv works so i think if you you know if you take into account how television works and how you have to tell a story and uh this is the last episode and all that stuff and then take into account the uh uh just the life of these characters and where they went i think it works i think the finale works and and you, you—I mean—you realize now how foolish it is to feel bad for, for a fictional character, right? For a fictional no. character, for the way they're treated by real people. I mean, you might as well say you feel bad that I—I oh, tore, I I I tore I up a picture of Charlie Brown. <laughs> oh, why did you do that? <laughs> I mean, is you can expensive. feel bad about the way fictional characters are treated by other fictional characters. Yes, I do. But not by you know, it's like feeling bad that you know God smited somebody. Right? Do you ever go? Do you ever see a person who's got you know one leg and go? Oh, why did God do that to them? Do you ever? No, I guess
1: I don't do that. I I don't. I don't think that works though. I don't think your analogy works there.
0: If you believe in God, that's the same dynamic, isn't it?
1: No, no. Because this is what you're saying is like: uh, Do I get upset with the creator or the writers?
0: Mm -hmm. Then I do. Yeah, but I'm saying. No, you can get upset with the creators, but I'm saying you shouldn't feel bad for the fictional character. First okay, of all, they're but this, fictional. But this person
1: without a leg is not fictional.
0: So I shouldn't feel well, bad Well, in for terms of God, I mean, as far as God created all these people, they might as well be fictional. But then so am I, so I'm on the yeah. same wavelength. Right. So I'm saying... I agree with your overall point. I don't think this analogy works. Okay. it prob- Well, <laughs> like most of my analogies. Well, you know, I got kicked out of analogy school. Did you know that? <laughs> no. I went to analogy school, but it was like a fish trying to, you know, use a computer while watching a play. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, see, that's why I got kicked out of analogy school. <laughs> that's a Jimmy Dore joke. I give Jimmy Dore credit for that. It's one of my favorite jokes. But I think, so, you know, obviously we all, we want the finale of our favorite show to be Perfect. And it never is. It will never be perfect. Whether it's Lost or The Sopranos or How I Met Your Mother or fucking MASH. You know, you can watch the finale of MASH, uh, which is probably the best love finale of all, and go, sure. really? He wanted to ride his motorcycle? That seems kind of dangerous, doesn't it? There's well, he... fucking unexploded landmines all over that country. You know, um, you know what, what finale is perfect?
1: What? Angel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. And I think the Buffy finale is actually Even better in terms of perfect writing And wrapping things up Because it does This is the genius of Joss Whedon It does the opposite of a finale Instead of ending the story It begins a new story Yeah, that's true It says, yes, Buffy is no longer the Slayer But guess what? That's not what what it's about anymore. This girl who's being abused by her, her dad. This little girl who's playing softball. Yeah. All these other girls are gonna fucking run the world. It's actually the complete opposite of Angel. It's the hopeful finale. Yeah, it is. and uh, and even you
1: know R.I.P. on you.
0: Yeah, right. As a, as a as a father of daughters, I watch that and it makes me fucking really emotional. Yeah, that I, you see these young girls, uh, even like Sarah Hagen, you know, who's yeah. you know a dopey, skinny, gawky weirdo. You're like, oh, look at her, she's a badass now. Yeah. And all these girls are badass. does she get
1: killed, too, in that episode?
0: Yeah, possibly. I know some of the potentials eat it. My favorite
1: part of the Buffy finale, though, is right before like the big attack happens. And it's the big group of them, and they're sending them off to, you do this, you do this. And then for a minute, it's just Buffy, Willow, Xander, and Giles. Okay. You know? Yeah, like, so back on it, where it like, started. And Andrew like, have gone off, and, and uh, Faith and Dawn, like, everyone's gone off, and it's just the
0: core four. It's ah, a great little moment. You just reminded me, the chick who played Anya was on some show. Really? Playing a cop. Emma Caulfield. Emma awesome. Caulfield. Yeah, I thought she was, um, what's her name, from Iron Man at first, and just dyed her hair brown. No, no, no. The other one. <laughs> from Iron Man 2. The reporter. Never saw it. Um, but I was like, no, wait a minute. That's Anya. And she was playing like an FBI agent. Couldn't have been less believable. Ah. I was like, this is Anya. She's not an FBI agent. She's a fucking demon turned uh, human.
1: Well, is that is that the show we're watching next week? <laughs> no, we're not watching any shows oh, next week. Oh, that's right. Week. That's why we drink all this uh, That's shit right,
0: because we're now full of uh, cheap champagne and, <laughs> and orange sugar. juice yeah. and sugar. Um, but I hope we, uh, you know, I hope we, it, this is because this is our finale, I hope we. Satisfied your uh, expectations of our finale. I I think I I hope we uh, played all your favorite clips and we last week, yeah, last week. And we, uh, you know, we, you know, I gave my special message last week and I'm glad it resonated the way it did with so many people. And you know, I will say for me, this finale is uh, uh, very satisfying just because I know that I, uh, in my years of podcasting. And hopefully it will continue. I know that I've made friends that, uh, even though I've never met, uh, I have forged real, actual friendships. And I've met people from, you know, all over the world that I would have never met in real life. And um, like we talked about, uh, this kind of thing makes, you know, uh, connecting with people who, you know, you might not meet in your everyday life makes you a better person. It, it, you know, it expands, uh, you know. The uh, like we got that letter from that guy in England just this week, mm-hmm. saying you know hey I didn't oh, want yeah, yeah. I didn't want to call in but I wanted to thank you guys for listening and you know he called me out on saying there's no homeless people in London <laughs> and I was like oh I guess I'm full of shit and uh, you know but uh, we've learned about ourselves and other people and uh, and it, and you know and the great part is that you know all these people are gonna continue to listen to you and hopefully yeah. you know listen to me and the shit we do and uh, you oh, know. Yeah. When something big happens, you know, like, hey, David and Tyler are, you know, on the new, at the movies with David and Tyler, (laughs) we got a new show. You know, you have a built-in fan base there and you know that when people go, you know, you'll know that when something good happens and you get a flood of emails and phone calls, you'll know who really means it and who is full of shit. You know, the guy from college who you haven't heard of in 20 years who goes, hey man, congratulations on your show. You go, I don't even remember you. But Dr. Daniel, who sends you an email saying, oh, I can't wait to watch your new show. You're like, thank you for the support.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I was saying, we picked the right shows because just like Angel, I'm going to, Go on fighting the good fight, <laughs> and just like how I met your mother, once you're gone, Kobe Smolder is going to come and be the real co-host. And I'm dying too. That's <laughs> oh, the other thing. Um, no, but seriously, like um, <laughs> Alex is Al- Alex is right. Like there are um, not just it's not just that there are shows that I've watched because of doing this show that I wouldn't have ha- have have watched otherwise. There are conversations I've had and conclusions that I've come to and feelings that I've mm-hmm. felt, and um, that that I wouldn't have had if I weren't doing the show. Not just doing the show, but doing the show with you, Paul. Um, and <laughs> it's been uh, a, a growing experience. I think I'm uh, a better, um, you know, I'm probably uh, more tolerant of uh, people and their bullshit because I've had to put up with yours for so long. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, it's been. Uh, uh, I'm really, really glad that we that we did this show. So me too. I we appreciate it, out.
0: And and it goes and it goes the same way. You know, I don't have a lot of patience for young people who think and by the way, when I say young people I mean people younger than me. Uh-huh. But for young people who think they know everything, uh and you've proven to me that not all young people think they know everything, and young people actually do know some things. <laughs> and some of them are smarter than me and they know better. And you know, it was honestly, uh I think it was, you know, like Dr. Daniel said in his letter. I announced that I was starting the old Paul Goble show I think back a million years ago when I listened when I was on your show when I was uh-huh. on Battleship Pretension and honestly it was it was Battleship Pretension and uh, never not funny that inspired me to start the Paul Goble show um, and, because I thought man Jimmy Pardo was killing it and these two dipshits are killing it too and it the, the talent separation couldn't be more, couldn't be bigger. <laughs> right. That valley of talent could not be bigger, and I was like, "There's got to be room for me in there." And so I, I saw I said, "There's a niche, and I'm going to fill it." And then, uh, you know, and the fact that you guys are still going, still doing your podcasts, and people still love it and still listen, uh, it just shows you know it's a world and. And getting to know you, you know, more than just the guy who doesn't return my phone calls anymore. <laughs> and getting to know Mrs. Howell, yeah, and then uh, you know, and by extension, Tyler and Jenny, and and that whole world. You know, I did a show, uh, I did the garage comedy show the other night, and Josh Baidum showed up. And, you know, it reminded me of when the two of us were on that episode so long ago. the loudest episode in (laughs) history. And it was so fun and so funny. And I just thought, man, that was a million years ago. That was a lifetime ago. And yet, it still is like a prescient moment. You know, it's still, uh, it's still, there's still things I'm doing and saying today that are because of that, you know, that day I recorded. And I'm certainly a better person for having met you. And being a part of your life, you're gonna make me cry, David, just by looking at me like that. Okay. That little look, that little look in your eye. But um, I suggest, I will say this: if you have a best friend, or even a really good friend, you should start doing a podcast <laughs> with them. <laughs> yeah, because it's a great thing to do. Just for even if nobody listens, which is impossible, you will find somebody who gives a fuck about what you have to say. But to be able to connect with somebody you have something in common with, and uh, and somebody who also will challenge you on your ideas and your thinking is really invaluable. And uh, you know, and it's it's the next best thing to therapy, and it's free, yeah. and you know, and it's it, it's pretty great. And I know it's made me a better person, and then my wife certainly knows that, and all my friends know that. And so uh, you know, not like this is a funeral, but. Yeah. I want to say this too. For those of you who don't know, uh, speaking of funerals, we had my roast uh-huh. the other day, uh, and it was fucking amazing. It, it was, was great, so fun and so funny. Uh, and lo- we were lo- we were smart enough to videotape it. So the plan is to put that uh, to do some editing and put the video online. Everyone can watch it, uh, and we'll do a pay what you want. You know, donate any am- amount of money, whatever you think it's worth, and all that money uh, will be donated to Movember. Because oh, right. uh, when it, uh, they they've now expanded uh, their men's health to also men's mental health, and uh, you know, and uh, suicide. Yeah. Uh, if you go on the Movember website, there's a lot of great videos about how you know in adults men commit suicide more than women do, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna donate all that money to Movember with the help of our young friend Jay Copperman. So so that so look for that. That will be going on. Um, I don't know what else to talk about. It, no, uh, this yeah, is we don't really want to
1: go on getting too maudlin. So I'll just say uh, I'm glad to know you, and I, and from me and Mrs. Howell she specifically told me to tell you um, that we'll miss having you around. We wish you and Brooke the best in uh, Arizona on the surface of the sun. <laughs> and, and
0: when we get there, what should we do?
1: Uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs>